take a bit of a look at yourself and think about what's not so good that you could improve, that you should improve by your own standards and that you would improve, you know, and set yourself a little goal. Um, you know, maybe you're not studying at all at, at, at your university. Or maybe you're maybe you're at work and you've got this stack of paper there, you know, and you haven't looked at that damn stack for like a month, and you know that you should be, and you're bo bothering yourself at night because you're avoiding that. It's like maybe think, well, I've avoided that stack of paper completely for one month. I'm quite a coward when it comes to whatever snakes might be hidden in that stack of paper. How about tomorrow? I just like put that stack of paper in front of me on my desk, and I like. I glance through it for 15 seconds. See if I can do that. It's like, well, you set yourself a goal of improvement. You know, it's a humble goal because really, are you such a coward that the best that you can bloody well manage after a month of avoidance is 15 seconds of exposure to a stack of paper? You know, it could easily be. You've been avoiding it. So you're obviously afraid of it. And so the situation could be that dismal and dire and you might think, well, geez, it's no bomb to my ego. It's no, it's, it's no, it's not fostering the, the strength of my ego to recognize myself, someone who could only withstand 15 seconds of exposure to that thing I'm afraid of. And so that's a form of humility too. It's like, there's things you could do to improve and you know what they are. And there's small steps that you could take that you might take that would put you in that direction. And then the question is, are you big enough to take those small steps? You know, are you capable of grappling with the fact that you're fundamentally flawed to the point where you have to break things down into almost childlike steps in order to manage them? And the answer to that is, yeah, you are. And that's the lot of, I don't know if it's a lot of everyone. Most people have things they avoid you know, and they're afraid of. So I would say to some degree, it's the lot of everyone. People vary in the degree to which they've conquered that. And you do meet people from time to time who are extraordinarily disciplined, but most of the time they've got disciplined in exactly this manner. It's through slow incremental improvement. And then you challenge yourself. It's like, well, could I do this? That would be better. And you find out and then you think, well, is there something slightly larger and more challenging that I could do that would be better? And and you try it and you find out. And as you try it and you find out, generally you get better at it and you can take on larger and larger challenges. You're moving through life and you have a, a plan or a dream and it shatters. You know, someone dies or a relationship breaks apart or you, you have a terrible upset in your career or you become ill in some unexpected way. Then everything around you falls apart and you plunge into a while well, you plunge into a chaotic underworld. The belly of the whale. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, exactly that. And then you, maybe you stay there because you, it isn't necessarily the case that people get out. You know, people die. People are in despair permanently. But frequently, something tragic and terrible befalls you and you fall apart and you learn something profound as a consequence and you put yourself back together. And when you come back out, you're more than you were when you went in. And that's happening in, at a small scale. Every time you learn something, you know, you, if you ever really learn something, it's usually painful. It usually means that you have to recognize that you're wrong in some important way. You have to let that part of you that's wrong die. And then you have to let yes. a new part of you. Okay, so the self, imagine that you undergo a series of transformations in your life. There are, 
there collapses into the chaotic underworld and then re many resurrections. That happens continually and that's what molds your character. In any case, people do waste a lot of time and they, are, they also act counterproductively a lot of the time. Regardless, we do make progress and, 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 and we can thrive under the difficult conditions that make up our lives and we can resist the malevolence that entices us. That's within our power and we don't know the limits to that. And we also know that it's better to, we all know this, that it's better to live courageously than cowardly. Everyone knows that. And, and we know that it's better to live truthfully than in deceit. And you can tell that too, because that's also what you tell people that you love. And we know that you should pick up your damn responsibility and move forward. Everyone knows that. It's, it's part of our intrinsic moral nature. And that nature is there. And it's not difficult to communicate to people about this. Like everyone knows that you wake up at three in the morning when you've left, let your life go off the rails and that you berate yourself for your uselessness and your cruelty and your failure to take up, to take the opportunities that are in front of you. And if you were the master in your own house, in some sense, the captain of your own destiny, if there was no intrinsic nature, well, that would never happen. You'd just let yourself off the hook. There'd be no voice of conscience tormenting you. But no one escapes from that. And what that indicates is, to me is that, at least psychologically, we live in a universe that's characterized by a moral dimension. And we understand that well. And that moral failings have consequences. And that they're not trivial. They destroy you. They destroy your family. They destroy your community. And, and you can tell people that. And they listen because they know. They don't know they know. That's the thing. And maybe that's the thing about being an, an intellectual. You have the opportunity to articulate ideas that other people know they embody, but they can't articulate. And that's what people tell me. You know, they say, well, you help me give words to things that I always knew to be true, but couldn't say. Or, or they say, I've been trying to put some of your precepts into practice. Responsibility being a main one. Vision, another. Honesty, I, I suppose, bringing up the pack and saying, this is the fun part of doing all of this. Fun is a weak word. That it's, 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 a, it's the remarkable part of doing all this. I mean, I have people tell me constantly, wherever I go, it's so delightful that... You know, they were in a pretty dark place and they tell me why and there's plenty of dark places in the world and they decided well maybe they were gonna develop a bit of a vision and take a bit more responsibility and start telling the truth and putting some effort into something and they come up and they say well you can't believe how much better things are you have to be humble and wise enough to understand that you might have to aim pretty damn low especially in those places where you're not functioning well. And it might be so embarrassing that you can't even, that you can't bring yourself to fathom that that's actually who you are. But you know, Jung described the fool 
the archetypal figure of the trickster and the fool, as the precursor to the savior, to the redeemer. And that's unbelievable bit of wisdom because what Jung meant was that to put yourself together, which is to follow the path of redemption, to follow the redeemer, if the redeemer is a type of personality that you could in fact be inhabited by or manifest, then the first step towards that is to allow yourself to be a fool, right? It's because you, you don't know what you're doing. You have to admit that. And there's going to be a loss of ego or destruction of ego, arrogant ego that necessarily accompanies that. But you need the loss of that arrogant ego because it's precisely what's interfering with your movement forward. You know, it's part of the adversarial process, mythologically speaking, that stops moral progress. You're too proud of who you think you are to notice what you're like so that you could change properly. You don't want to sacrifice that part of yourself. It's probably associated with some delusion that helps you maintain, in, uh, what would you say, a positive, although very fragile self-image, you know, in the absence of genuine effort. You're okay the way you are. That's what we tell young people. Oh, you're okay the way you are. It's like, and there's nothing worse than you can tell, that you can tell someone who's young than that especially if they're miserable, you know, and lots of them, well, if they're miserable and aimless, it's like, oh, I'm miserable and aimless, and sometimes I'm suicidal and I'm nihilistic and I don't have any direction in your life, it's, in my life. It's like, well, you're okay the way you are here. And it's like, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear, look, you know, you're, and you know this, you're useless. You know nothing. You haven't got started You've got 60 years to put yourself together and God only knows what you could become. And that's so, that message is so much more, it's so funny because it's so, it's such an attack, but it's so positive because there's faith there in the, in the potential that makes up the person rather than the miserable actuality that happens to be manifesting itself at the moment. And young people respond extraordinarily well to that because, and you know that if you're a parent and you love your, your child, your son, your daughter, what you're trying to foster is the best in them. You want that to manifest itself across the course of their life. You want them to become continually more than they are to see what they could be. And well, and I think that's part of the great message of the West is that that's, that's, the, that's the ethical requirement of individual being in, in, in the proper sense is to constantly note that you're not what you could be, to take responsibility for that and to, and to commit yourself like body and soul to the attainment of that ideal discover a little bit more about your potential as you discover who you are especially the darker parts of yourself because then you discover your potential for mayhem there's some real utility in that you know a discovery that you're dangerous it's such a useful discovery it's actually something that strengthens you because the first thing that a realization like that can in fact produce is the the ambition to incorporate that danger into a higher order personality, that dangerousness into a higher order personality, and that can make you implacable. That can make you someone who can say no when you need to say no. 
You know, that can make you someone who won't avoid necessary conflict. And so that's, that's unbelievably useful. Then look at that pessimism that, 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 that constitutes, let's say, the core of what... Well, I think it's the core religious message, really, is the, is the tragic nature of the world, the reality of suffering. It's, it's part of the core religious message. But what emerges out of that, properly conceptualized, is a remarkable appreciation for what human beings are capable of. Like, we are unbelievably resilient and, and able creatures. And we do not have any conception of our upper limits.